Greetings and thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Biblical Question. Today we're going to talk about what does the groom expect from his bride? What does the groom expect from his bride? I'm glad you've taken time out of the day to download this podcast and listen to it. I hope that you will like us and share us and follow us. So when we release our weekly podcast, you'll get a notification that uh, we have released one and you can download it right away. Please tell others about us if you like us. We're on many other uh, podcast apps as well. You can go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com and there is a list of podcasts there. If your friends do not use the same uh, app that you do, of course we're on Google Play and iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio, and many others. To find out more about us and our statement of faith, you can also go to our webpage to find that. And there you can also find links to our social media accounts with Twitter and LinkedIn. So today we're going to again, we're going to talk about what does the groom expect from his bride? What are these expectations from a young man and a young woman when they when they enter into a, a marriage bond? During the courtship, the two uh, learn about each other and what one is looking for in a spouse. Some of the things I might be looking for, obviously, would be love. Uh, many uh, ladies, uh, my wife was one of them, she, they want security, they want friendship. Someone who is like him in, in dealing with situations, having children, how they're going to raise those children, and so on. And so, if one of these things uh, becomes lacking or simply not there, the odds uh, the courtship will end. But if it makes it to the marriage relationship and the groom discovers his bride does not want children after saying in the past that she will bear his children, what will happen? Well, the marriage covenant already is in serious trouble. The bride has entered into this covenant relationship, and that's what a marriage is. Uh, She's entered it under false pretenses. Or in the very least, she has no intention of fulfilling the covenant she entered to uh, and understood. We, the church, we are the bride of Christ. So the question has to come up, what are the expectations of the groom from his bride? As the bride of Christ, are we fulfilling the promises uh, we made to the groom? If not, what can we expect from our relationship? I want to be in Isaiah chapter 54. If you want to open your Bibles and follow along, I'll be skipping around quite a bit. uh, Verses today, but I, I would encourage you to do so if you have one. See, when Jesus spoke of a marriage, it it was not from a first-hand experience, since you know Jesus had never been married. But Jesus kept himself. For the church and only her. His concern uh, for earthly marriage is clear though. Uh, His first miracle was not a healing a lame person or raising somebody from the dead. His first miracle is recorded in John as being at a wedding feast, a a wedding party. Where Jesus says uh, this unknown nameless young man and his bride from the shame of the most important party of the young couple's lives, their wedding feast. 
throughout the Old Testament, God has laid out this picture of a marriage relationship between himself and his people. Isaiah 54 verses 5 and 6 says this, For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your Redeemer is the only Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you like a wife forsaking, forsaken and grieved in spirit, even like a wife of one's youth when she's rejected, says your God. In Jeremiah in chapter 31 verse 32 says, Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. There are several other examples in the Old Testament along this line. Uh, Jacob uh, would work seven long years to, to be able to take his bride of his choice. Where there was no sacrifice that was too great for Jacob to have his bride that he had chosen. Just as God worked tirelessly throughout the Old Testament to win Israel over as his bride. Jacob, if you recall the story, uh, did not get the bride that he had bargained for. Jacob had to work another seven years to gain the bride that he thought he was promised in the beginning and what he truly wanted. God, too, has set out to win the wife uh, who would love him faithfully. Again, of course, I'm talking about the bride as we read in the New Testament, and that would be called the church. The Apostle Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for you to one husband, so that Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. What are some of the reasons two people get married? Well, the first one on my list here is companionship. Let us face facts. I mean, simply, we are not really meant to be alone. Some people think that they're lone wolves, or, uh, but we were born into a family. We grew up being involved with the family unit, most of us did. We, we learned along the way as a child that we, we needed a parent to, to care for us and love for us, a, a parent to provide for us and teach us, and yes, a parent to correct us when we did wrong. We all had this common desire. And at some point, all of us will seek out a special person to be a lifelong companion or partner, our spouse, depending on where you come from. I know the Philippine people, uh, they say lifetime partner. With all that life has uh, to throw at us, it is much easier to have a lifetime partner who will stand by you. It gives gives us a sense of being complete. Once this is satisfied, it becomes a, a powerful force that fuels the relationship. If this is true in our marriages, how true would this be with our marriage with God? We are not meant to be alone spiritually. We need God's companionship. 
We need from God spiritual love and care. We need everything that He can provide to us. We need Him to teach us and to correct us when we sin. Another reason people get to married is uh, reproduction. Uh, the magical attraction between a man and, and a woman is very real. It's valid in God's eyes. You know, I recall my grandmother telling me when, when I was in high school that she didn't really feel ooey or gooey over my grandfather, her husband, uh, when they were first married. She said it was not really into uh, the marriage for several years that she really started having those feelings. She saw his family as hardworking, honest, and bonded. There was a unity uh, within the family home. She knew that these were traits that she was looking for in a man who would be the father of her future children. Everyone in the family unit, they knew their place and it was expected of them as individuals. We as individuals in the, in the Lord's church, we make up the whole body. Christ being the head of the church, the head of the congregations, he has expectations from each and every one of us. We need to be hardworking for the gospel message. We need to be honest with everything and everyone. And we certainly need to be united as one. So when others uh, from outside of the church, out in the world, when they look at us, they see this, family. We impress them and, and we are faithful to our groom by our faithfulness. Most people who get married have the desire to have children. With very few ex uh, exceptions, Scripture does, does not record a gooey feeling as a motive for marriage. In the Jewish culture, uh, they rather looked uh, something along these lines here. Look at Genesis 1, 28. Uh, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, they took this as a commandment. And you can read throughout the Old Testament when a, when a woman was without child, uh, she was at times, she was... Uh, thought to be in sin or being punished by God. Go read uh, Genesis chapter 30 and and here you will see Rachel. She cries uh, to her husband, Give me children or I will die. I mean, this is something that seems to be uh, in most women, uh, they want to have a child. Something that God has put into them when he created them. Or Tamar in Genesis chapter 38, who really, she demands her right under the old covenant law to have children. And under that law, in a place at that time, Lot's daughter, who, who took their desires to have children so seriously that they would sleep with their father to get pregnant. You know, we really need to understand. Not having children was really no option for a Jewish woman. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18, And Jesus came up to them and spoke to them, 
saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. I don't see it as, as stretching the allegory here by any means to say this, that our fruitfulness with our relationship with Christ can do all things that includes having children. Just like the Jewish women, I mean, they crave to, to have a child. You see, because when we have children as Christians, we replenish the kingdom of God on earth in, in several ways. And more and more people are being told not to have children to save the planet. There are religious groups out there, I promise you, you can Google it. <laughs> they are having children, and we as Christians are not. First of all, our own offspring, bringing them up and raising them to be godly people. So in turn, they can continue to produce godly children and continue to build the kingdom of God. You have to have workers to build the kingdom. Secondly, we spiritually need to reproduce ourselves each time we bring somebody to Christ. We show them the scriptures and let the Holy Spirit do his work in convicting that heart. You know, this, this reproduction is, is not limited to the number of children that we bring into the world. It's not limited by our health or how much money we have. It's limited to me by my willingness to, to tell others about the gospel story. The Great Commission, as it is often referred to, it is not just for the apostles. It's not just for the people. It is not just for the 120 that were in the upper room. It is for every one of us, every listener, everyone who proclaims to be a Christian immersed in the blood of Christ. It was a covenant relationship that we began when we, we made that decision to become a disciple of Christ. It is there in the baptistry where we come in contact with the blood of Christ that, that we are becoming a member of Christ's bride. You know, as we enter to this relationship, we made several promises that, that we would be faithful to Christ, and Christ does, in fact, ask his bride to do this. In 2 Samuel here, in chapter 14, starting in verse 6, 2 Samuel 14, starting in verse 6, Your maidservant had two sons, but the two of them struggled together in the field. And there was one, and there was no one to separate them. So one struck the other and killed him. Now behold, the whole family has risen up against your maidservant. And they say, Hand over the one who struck his brother, that we may put him to death for the life of his brother whom he killed and destroyed the heir also. Thus, they will extinguish my coal which, which is left, so as to leave my husband neither a name or a remnant on the face of the earth. 
And the king said to the woman, Go to your house, and I will give orders concerning you. And the woman said to the king, O Lord, the king, the iniquity on me in my father's house, but the king and his throne are guiltless. Verse 10. So the king said, Whoever speaks to you, bring him to me, and I will not touch you anymore. You see, thirdly, uh, by teaching the lost about Christ, about the King of glory, we're also helping to carry on the Father's name. I don't think it's any different from any man listening to this podcast, um, any man in the world. They want their family name carried on. They, they want to pass on their genes. But the Heavenly Father also wants this. He wants His name to carry on. I believe sometimes that we really disgrace our Heavenly Father when we fail to reproduce ourselves. We know under the New Testament there is no requiring a man and a woman uh, to marry to have physical children, not like the Jewish uh, people of the past. None of us are excused, though. No one is excused from sharing the gospel message with those who will listen. That's what we are called to do. You might think, well, preacher, this is really easy for you. You're a preacher. Well, I want to be honest about it. I, too, get nervous about it from time to time. I'm nervous sometimes when I preach. I don't always get enough sleep. And I get tired. I work uh, around many pagans. And yet, every chance I get, when that door is open, I always walk through it. But we need to pray about things like this. We pray for opportunities to help the kingdom, but do we really seriously look for them? As a Christian, as a young Christian, I I made a point in my life that I would always help serve on the Lord's table. I would always lead public prayers, even before uh, I went to school, preaching school. Was it always smooth? No, it was not. And even today, those who are faithful listeners to the podcast know that sometimes I slaughter words. But the fact is, we all have lips, and every one of us can tell the story of Jesus. We fool ourselves, but not the world. Because, you see, the world knows from watching nature, uh, you cannot have uh, two fertile partners and not have offspring. If our relationship with Christ is is not bearing fruit, it's sterile, then one of the partners in this relationship is withholding or both. Christ is none of these. So today, after listening to the podcast, I, I certainly hope that you will really think over your relationship with Christ, where are you standing, as part of the bride of Christ and his expectation, the groom that's being Christ, his expectations from you and from all of us. I certainly hope that all of us would want to be that faithful, pure bride and be part of that pure bride. So on the day of judgment, we can enter into the greatest feast of all time and hear the words 
Welcome home, faithful servant. Thank you again for tuning in to our weekly podcast. I pray and hope that it has been edifying for you, that you will like us and share us. Be sure to follow us on your app, however you listen to us, so you can get notifications when we download a new podcast. Please pray for us and as we pray for you, especially for the church that is persecuted, that uh, they may be strong in their faith and that Christ will help them and guide them in ways that sometimes we don't always know how to ask God for help on. But God knows the situations and he knows how to help those folks. And I certainly hope and trust and believe that he does. If you have any biblical questions you'd like to be answered uh, on our podcast, please submit them at biblicalquestion.com. You can go to our contact us page to do so. You may also submit your prayer requests there as well. Our statement of faith is also on our web page. And we have uh, 65 to 75 average hits uh, weekly on our web page from people from all around the world. And so if you want your prayer request posted, Others will see that and pray for you. Uh, I have no doubts. Once again, I thank you for listening. May God bless you, and may He have the glory. Mm-hmm.